Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 1500 ESPN Twin Cities Sports Update Time. I'm James Murphy. Hi, the barrel of the bat flew all the way to the screen, and look at this! See you later on a broken bat! The bat hit the screen behind the bat boy, and Bryce Harper hits it out of the yard. Bryce Harper does headline the home run derby lineup that you can catch right here on 1500 ESPN at 7 o'clock tonight, along with the likes of Jesus Aguilar, Freddie Freeman, and Kyle Schwarber. The kickoff to the All-Star break should be pretty entertaining, but it does come at an interesting time for the local nine. They are sitting at six games under 500, but hey, they've won nine of their last 11 games, and it remains up in the air if they're going to move Brian Dozier, who did hit a walk-off grand slam in the Twins' win yesterday. Uh, Judd's going to love this one, but Kenny, I think it's happening. Yeah, I think you're right. This one's sponsored by Concordia University, and just when we thought Westbound... <laughs> Six night. Hey, 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 shut up. I'm doing a traffic report here. Oh, yeah, we'll see about that. And it's a good one. (laughs) Back from vacation. So happy. Just when you thought Westbound 694 was getting better uh, between 35W and 100, the travel time jumped back to 22. Get on track to a successful business career with Concordia University, St. Paul. Learn online or on campus. Learn more about their business degrees at online.csp.edu. Here's dummies 7, 8, and 9. From Hudson, wow. Wisconsin, uh-huh. is that true? Kenny, we weren't sure. We weren't sure if you were going to come back. Yeah, neither was I. <laughs> where are you? I'm actually very surprised. <laughs> Tell me where you are. Uh, we are at White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson, oh, okay. where Judd Zolgad just completed episode three of the Judd Athlete Challenge, a 150-yard par three, Kenny, with water on the left. He did. How it? many strokes do you think it took him? Oh, Judd, you'll never guess. Uh, Twelve. We'll, we'll tell you later this hour. <laughs> oh, a tease. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, but let's, uh, James, let's roll on some stuff that happened at Target Field yesterday. And Dozier is going to stop about halfway with this shift. There's a block, and he'll score. Brilliant base running by Brian Dozier. He got Castillo so flustered, he committed a balk. Because of the shift. Right, thank you. A deep drive to left field. Back and gone! A walk-off grand slam for Brian Dozier. Now that's the way to end the ball game. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I hope everybody's listening. We play 162 games for a reason. We don't play three months, and that's it. We play 162, and we'll see what happens in October. Wow. Really? <laughs> he went there? He's going to play in the fall? It just won't be for the Twins. Uh, it, it's, it's possible he will be playing in October. Well, d- does their schedule leak into October by chance? Does the regular season go to, like, October 2nd? I do not know the answer to that question. <laughs> but for Doge to come on. I mean, yeah, it's a nice homestand. It's great, all right? But you beat Tampa 3 of 4. That's legit. Previous to that, you played Baltimore and Kansas City. Let's slow the roll a little bit. All right. I, I don't think we need to do the slow the roll segment again because you've done that for, like, the last month. Yeah, I, I got a question for you. Uh, when Bert said that Dozier forced the balk because of the sh- shift, is he trying to say that this was Bramer? Is, oh, Bramer, are, are they trying to say this is why you shouldn't shift? That's what I got from it. Oh my God! Oh, there's plenty more meat on that bone from yesterday's game. Are you really? The first I went to the game. So. In fact, okay. Well, since we're into it, the first the first five innings was basically Dick and Bert complaining about the Rays pitching changes. 
There's no good reason to be bringing in another pitcher here, even though they have the best team ERA since the middle of May. Now, yesterday, they gave up a bunch of runs yesterday, but uh, I, I want to say they used four pitchers through the first four innings, had seven strikeouts, yeah. one, one uh, run allowed to that point, just patchworking it because that's what they do. They don't have five Madison Bumgarners because they're the Rays. So they said, if we don't have five Madison Bumgarners, how can we be creative and get batters out on a more uh, frequent basis? And mm-hmm. I, it bothers me that... The tone is such this condescending, well, this isn't how you're supposed to do it in baseball, as opposed to curiosity. I wonder why they're so successful the last couple months doing this. Yeah, because it's and working. It, you're right. And when we thought that Fernando Rodney came into the game in some strange, innovative way at first, until we realized, oh, he's got some sort of an immigration hearing in Miami to get to, it was the same tone. It was, oh, I guess they want a 14-out save. It's like... Or you could be curious. And ask. Of all the discussions that you could have about shifting, right? Because there's a lot of discussions about it, and there's probably reasons not to do it. But that one, this is why. There, there's no question. This is why they scored. Uh, come on. Right, right. Come on. So, all right, let's get to the bench-clearing stuff here. Uh, your thoughts on Brian Dozier and Eduardo Escobar with their excitement and, and jawing back and forth. I guess I'll start it with this. If you're, go- if you're going to shift, and I'm all for shifting because it, it definitely leads to more outs, but if you're going to shift that far over with a runner on third base, and if that guy's then going to prance down the line 45 feet because there's nobody covering third base, that's on you. If, that's the risk you take yes. as an infield and as a pitcher. Yes. And if your pitcher freaks out and gets twitchy and box, and you celebrate, why does it have to lead to outrage and benches clearing? Why can't it just be, oh, the Twins, yep, the twins countered the shift with some clever base running, Rosario tried it earlier in the series too on Saturday. Like, why do we when when a, when an NFL quarterback walks up to the line of scrimmage with a hard and they trick a defender into jumping across the line of scrimmage? Boom! Flag, offense, high five, celebrate, right? Celebration. Not in baseball. The defense just shrugs. The defense gets more mad at the idiot who jumped off sides right. than they do the offense for showing them up. But in baseball, how dare you make us look bad? So I think much more on Tampa Bay than the Twins. Well, what's Calm weird, down and, and have your pitcher not be so twitchy on the mound. What's weird about the thing on Sunday was that so so Dozier's dancing down the, the line, which is fine, forces the pitcher to block, gets the run. It's 5-4 Twins. The next pitch, it was 0-2 on Escobar. So the next pitch comes in right near his ankles. It was so kind of a breaking It was ball. close, yeah. but it wasn't that bad. Ryan Presley evidently starts yelling from the dugout because he had pitched and was out of the game at the pitcher. And so Escobar stepped out because there was a commotion. The Tampa Bay catcher tried to calm things down. The third baseman got confused and thought that Escobar was jawing. And so he started to motion, get back in the box, hit, hit, hit. Yeah. And so Escobar then got mad. The whole thing the was... The catcher, by the way, was jawing. And, and you've put the piece together for me. I didn't know who was yelling in the Twins' dugout. So it was at Presley. Presley. He said, shut up. Uh, so the catcher started yelling at Presley, and Escobar did nothing, nothing and started chirping a little at the catcher like, hey, this is stupid. But here's the funniest thing. The, the guy playing third base was shifted to shortstop, so he couldn't tell what, what was going on because he was so far away. Oh so God. he starts motioning to Escobar because he thinks he knows what's going on, and he doesn't get back in, in the box and hit. Um, the only – okay, so here's my only gripe about the entire thing, Twins perspective-wise, and this is it. Archer was the first guy off the bench for Tampa because he was still mad about Rosario dancing down the line on Saturday, which to me is BS on Archer's part. That's how Rosario plays the game. Yeah. I'm fine with that, and that's how he plays, and I like it. And deal with it. Yeah. The, old, the, the guy stole home all the time like 50 years ago, right? Yeah. You, the, how dare you, well, and, and if you are Jackie going, Robinson. And if you're going to take your third baseman and put him at second base, I'm going to come down the line as far as possible. For and sure. if you balk, that's your fault. For sure. The only thing from the Twins' perspective that bugged me about this entire thing, and I got a tweet about it, and the tweet was 1,000% right, was when Dozier forced the balk, he celebrated like he had just won the World Series. And what bugged me excited. is... But what bugged me is not, not the fact that it excited him. It was the fact that this was the same guy in Baltimore who, after a guy bunted with a big lead, with, with the Twins up, a big lead in April basically said he's going to have to be talked to. That's an unwritten rule. So if you are going to oversee <laughs> the unwritten rules of baseball, he's, okay, yeah, then 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 be consistent. So he's a little hypocritical. He, it, it was 
Very much so. He had every right to be happy and celebrate, but then you can't legislate what the unwritten rules of baseball are sometimes I don't think and so. then break them yourself. But I think we should remove celebrating from the unwritten rules. Like the you unwritten should just rules be able just to, go away. You should just be able to celebrate. It's just stupid. Just never. Well, I, I, agree. I never want to hear a player again invoke a rule that's not really written down. Yeah, but you should. Like, but if, if the unwritten rules are going to stay, let's just take celebration out of them. If you do something that, and that was at, at, at the time, that might have been the game-winning run. They took yeah, a five-four lead on that play, yes. and uh, and it was him distracting a pitcher and getting the pitcher to balk. And it's no different than a rifle base hit to right field that scores a runner from second. I mean, you did something to put the Twins I up five-four. I have five no four. problem with the fact that he was very happy about it and celebrated. I just don't like it that in April you could tell me that this violates some code of baseball and then come back and violate another code. There are no codes. Have as much fun as possible. Celebrate. And you know what? If you're down 10 to 1 and you want to bunt, bunt. But what code would he would he have violated the celebration unwritten rule? Or would he have violated the, hey, when a shift is on, just take a normal lead at third base? Well, if there's... Because that... that, yeah, that that's if that's, I don't know if that's an unwritten rule or not, but that seems more similar to the, hey, you shouldn't bunt when there's a shift on in a he, game that was 5 to nothing. I guess. He pumped his, I think, when, when they finally called the balk. And the guy clearly balked, and they didn't call it initially, and then they did. And Dozier, like, started to pump his fist and, and look in the Tampa at the Tampa bench, I think. That violates the code of don't show teams up, right? Why is baseball... Don't show teams up. Don't have too much fun. Baseball is the only sport where you can't make eye contact with the opposing team in celebration. The whole thing's just stupid. In basketball, I can reject your shot, give you the Dikembe Mutombo finger wag, and maybe I get a technical foul, but the other team doesn't look to punch me in the face. It's just kind of like, all right, well, I'll get you you next time down the court. Or if I blow you up in football with a legal hit over the middle and then kind of pump my chest over your lifeless body for a minute... There might be a scrum, but it's just, oh, whatever. That that was a great play. We'll get you next. Cam Newton does the Superman celebration. I know. Aaron Rodgers does the title bat celebration. Brian Dozier hops up and down a little, claps his hands for a game-winning run, what, what you thought was a game-winning run at the time, and outrage. So I, I see what you're saying. It's a little hypocritical to be the morality police officer back in April. Well, somebody in that Orioles yeah, clubhouse is going to talk they to him. Good- Leadership but over I, he was wrong then. He did nothing wrong this time around. Yeah. And the Rays overreacted. And, and the only place that I do agree with Dick Bramer from yesterday's broadcast, there's a lot of things that drove me nuts about the broadcast, but when he said, hey, if you're going to shift and someone's going to lead 45 feet down the line, you figure it out. And That's, that's your fault. That's Don't freak out do. if you're a pitcher. If you're on third base, that's the right thing. Yeah. If, you're, if you know that your pitcher can't handle that, then guess what? Don't shift. It's very simple. Keep the third baseman towards the bag if if the guy on the mound can't accept the fact that the guy is going to come dancing down the, the line. But the fact that Archer got so mad was absolute BS, too. Yeah, I You're Chris Archer. Handle it. Yeah, that was weird. And he's yeah. usually, I feel, I feel like he's one of the, the smarter, level-headed dudes. That was clearly some stuff that, that boiled up from yesterday, maybe even the series before. I thought it was hilarious that the bullpens came jogging out. Oh. Like, the bullpens run out together. If the goal is to, like, add to the scrum, shouldn't they just scrum in the outfield? Can't they scrum in the bullpen? The bull- yes. They, the bullpens... Do they have to leave the bullpen? The bullpens jog out to, to where the fracas is. Together. And then they like, get really, it done. together. And there's no punches thrown. There's nothing at all. <laughs> and then here's what they do. They walk back to get... They walk back. They don't jog back. They walk back It was a lot of activity. It was a lot of They're, activity. Cutting down on bench clearing, not even brawls, bench clearing incidents in baseball would be so simple. If you leave the dugout or you leave the bullpen, the manager gets 10 games and you get five. That would end it right there. There is no reason on God's green earth for a reliever, a lot of whom, God bless them, aren't in the best shape sometimes, (laughs) to jog in as if you're going to fight. Was Lance Lynn out there? He's probably hanging out in the dugout. He was in the dugout. But my God, it's Lance the, Lynn could use the extra cardio. It's the stupidest thing, and then they all come in and they mill about, and and inevitably now in baseball you get the two guys who are PO'd out of the fracas, and then the whole thing dies down. At some point, someone's going to get a hold of the bullpen cart and just drive a bullpen cart into five opposing team members. You just know what? Like bowling it would be pins, more, just be more interesting. How fast can those things go? Can those things get up to forty miles an hour? As a golf cart can, I'm sure. Twenty, thirty miles That's an about hour. About it, yeah. Barrel into some humans. I'm all for it. Uh, Make it more fun. You had smiling Carlos Gomez in the middle of the skirmish too. Oh, and we did miss one thing. 
If if that game had gone, so if Dozier d- does not hit the grand slam and and that game had continued on, Tampa Bay's pitching staff and bullpen was fried. It was gone. The next pitcher up, Carlos Gomez. Oh, was he? He was he warming up to pitch. I don't know, but but uh, Cash said after wow. the game that we were out of relief pitchers. Our bullpen was empty, and the next pitcher was going to be Gogol. Why couldn't they use more? St- this is the last game before the All Star. I, mean, I don't they know. They use all their starters. I don't know, but do you know how much fun it would have been if Carlos Gomez? He would have come in there and drilled a guy as quickly as possible. There's and <laughs> not even on you purpose. might say it's a tie. He wouldn't <laughs> have cared. He would have come in and hit someone in the helmet immediately. Ryan uh, Dozier's last home run as a Minnesota Twin. It should be. Well, it should be his last. He'll be with the team. I think there's a good chance he's with the team on Friday in Kansas City. That should be his last home run at Target Field as a twin. He might come what's back. Their, what's their some. road trip? Is it a, it's a week-long road trip it's to a, Texas. It's Kansas City for three, followed by Toronto for three, yeah. followed by Boston for four. Okay, so they're, yeah. and then And then I believe that walks you up to right around July 31st. Yeah. Yeah, there's a good chance. And we got... Fenske here, our uh, fearless uh, promotions guru, and her Brewers are a disaster right now. I think it's possible the Brewers trade for Brian Dozier before the All Star break concludes. You got swept in. They got swept in Pittsburgh. It's pretty. In a doubleheader on Saturday. Pretty embarrassing. Yeah. So Dozier, just to bring it full circle, might be right on the CU in October. Front. Yeah, it just he might, might be. Might be in a Brewers or a Dodgers uniform. But this whole it's fun. Yeah, this whole thing of well, we're back. Guess what? Next time, play better in the rest of the first half. As Patrick tweeted today, we are 58% into the twin schedule. They're 90-some-odd games in. This ain't the halfway point. Right. And just one more thought on this. To dismiss the first half, like, there's a reason why we play 162. It's like, absolutely, for sure. But the first 90 games matter a lot. (laughs) You think? You think those games when you were getting going 1-8 on a road trip to Chicago and um, Milwaukee mattered a little bit. So we're hanging out at White Eagle Golf Club here in North Hudson for the annual NHL Alumni Classic Golf Outing. This is one of our favorite broadcasts of the year. Uh, we get a bunch of notable former North Stars. Brad Madsen will join the show uh, sometime here in the, in, in the next probably two hours or so. So we're going to have all kinds of guests in the second half of the show. Lindsey Whalen will join us at 11 o'clock. We have Wolves news that came down after our show was over on Friday. Jimmy Butler. Doogie it's not shocking. News. Yeah, what Doogie had, a, had Glenn Taylor on the Scoop podcast, which you can find at 1500ESPN.com. And so we're going to dive into some of that later on this hour. The big headline news here this morning, though, is Judd Zolgad <laughs> underwent episode three athlete challenge, a 150-yard par three. We're going to tell you how that went when we come back. Full video will be available on our YouTube page, Facebook page, maybe even before the show is over here. It's a big file. I'm trying to get this thing to get from my phone to, <laughs> uh, time. to YouTube here. But All right. we'll come back. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. But today, those studios are on a golf course, White Eagle in Hudson. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. We'll be back in the game before you know it. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? <laughs> Pretty cool, I guess. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Welcome back to White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson. Mackie and Judd here for the annual NHL Alumni Golf Classic, and we will dive into some nostalgic guests in the second half of the show. Lindsey Whalen will join at eleven o'clock. Her coach was not very pleased with what happened yesterday against Connecticut. A very interesting comment about um, a team that's being gun for consistently and aging. And uh, yeah, I mean, Sherry basically said. They're giving everything they can, and they're just not good anymore. Yes, <laughs> right? That's how yeah. I interpreted the quote. Yes, yeah. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't the old, I'm going to cover for them and say they're tired or something. It was essentially, hey, here's the state of my team, Yeah, which I thought was great. Yes. Good for her for we had saying a, that. We had a couple great little coach comments or rants. You also had the Adrian Heath meltdown after a 3-2 victory. Yes. But they were up 3-0, gave up too late, and Adrian Heath was just irate on Saturday night. I believe that the gaffer ha- has replaced Yozy as my favorite post-game comment guy, <laughs> quote guy. He's got the very, he's very good at, at the same thing Mike did, which is basically, I'll tell you something right now, the sky is falling. The sky is completely falling. <laughs> and it ain't my fault, and I don't know what to do. Yeah, and by the way, my players, they're not that good. No. And I, I just want it to be known that, like, this is probably coming to an end soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's great. Um... So, yeah, that might be interesting this week on the Adrian Heath Show, too, which you can find on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's get down to business. We got here. 
Did you wind up staying overnight in Hudson? You said you didn't. No, I didn't because I went uh, to the Twins game, which went long. Okay. And then there were about uh, 20 stories that came from that game. So I stuck around and wrote. So I got home at like 8 o'clock, and I'm like, do I really want to turn around and drive to Wisconsin now? So I got up early this morning and drove here. Four hours, 38 minutes, according to your scorecard. And that's correct. It was 4.38. That's aggressive. For a 10-inning uh, game. It was like a four-hour, nine-inning game, right? First pitch, one twelve p.m. Weather, 86 at first pitch. It was 86 p.m. You wrote was, that down? Yeah, yeah we have human. that all written down. Why yeah. did you write that down? <laughs> they announced it in the press box. But why do you write it down? I don't know because they announce it, and I've got a little. <laughs> well, I mean, the twins distribute these really the nice. Yeah. These twi- the twins distribute these really nice scorecards, in which you've got room for the uh, weather, first pitch, time of game, <laughs> attendance. So I jot them down do you save along these with notes. Though? Do you ever? Do you write the? Do you do you no, use the no. temperature in anything that you do? No, I just write it down because they announce it. Do you make a note if it's no, cloudy, no sunny, rainy, anything? I don't see anything on there. If just eighty six. If it's raining, I might make a note. <laughs> okay, but if it's a little emoji with a cloud and a couple drips. No, no, I'll write rainy. No, I just write the word down. I'll just write cloudy. I think rainy. you should have little. I'm with Dave. I think you should have little. I'm not good at drawing. Little avatars. All right, let's get it. I can't draw. Okay, so I can't draw. So we got here early this morning at White Eagle, and uh, we went down. We walked over to the tenth hole. For the Judd Zolgat Athlete Challenge, Episode 3, which will be posted in full at some point today. I'm literally waiting for it. I'm watching we're, you try to We're out in the Bahoonies here a little bit because I'm, I'm going back and forth between, like, the LTE and the wireless. Okay. But let's ask James because everyone out here knows what score you shot. We set the over-under at 8.5. And, and just for some context, you haven't golfed in 20 years. And this is my third Zolgat Sports Challenge. It is. The basketball, sh- the, the 27 shot Houston Rockets Challenge was a disaster. Correct. Uh, the soccer penalty kicks wasn't a disaster. You got one out of five, and you at least put, you put the ball out I there. I fell down the first time, though. Yeah. I, it wasn't a disaster, but it didn't look, how, how can I put this nicely about myself? It didn't look athletic, per se. No. No, it got the job done, I thought, but it didn't. But you didn't look at that and be like, okay, yeah, Judd is a soccer player. <laughs> no, I don't, and I'm guessing that's Especially not going to happen with any of Right. So, <laughs> so the first two were not. The first was awful. The second one was passable, but not great. So 150 yards. You did not hit the range beforehand. You used Dave's left-handed clubs because you're left-handed. I didn't swing until I got here with nope. you, you guys today. Your first swings were on the tee box, just some little practice swings. Yes. And the first ball you hit in 20 years was off the tee, 150-yard par 3 with water on the left. Yep. And we set the over-under. We, we put a pull out at 8.5. James, do you think he went over or under 8.5? Well, based on what I've seen, how could I pick anything but over? I, 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 would, have to, <laughs> I would have to think... If I was putting money on this, I would have to go with the over. And that's why it was at eight and a half. I right, that's a, lot of that's a lot of strokes. That's a lot of strokes. It was Twitter poll. The we opening had, line was six and a half. Yes, we had six and, and a half. And people moved it to eight and a half. Seven and a half, eight and a half. Including and eight and a half was the people being clear and heavy well. favorite. It was and a par, I said that's fair. It was a par three, a right? So we're like, 150 yards. Yes. Par three, so it winds up being a par eight for Judd. Right. Because right? over under uh, eight and a half. So, so you said you you take the overall. Like, let's break the first news. It was under. It wow. was under. How about this guy. Thank you very much. Under eight and Thank a half. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Now, James, because again, Dave, Dave was the caddy, and everyone here knows what he shot. Uh, what score would you guess he shot? Well, now that I know it's or under. Let's ask this I, first. Yeah, yeah. How far do you think his tee shot went? How many yards on the one fifty? How many yards do you think his tee shot went? Uh, I. I'm gonna go. <laughs> so torn. It could be. It could be. Hey, it could have been a driver. Gets gets a hold of it. Two hundo. Yep. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 96 yards. Pretty close. He hit it 120 yards off the tee. We won't tell you where because now you have to guess the score. What was his final score on this par three? I'm gonna go. Suspense. I'm gonna People go waiting. I'm gonna go six. It was a tap in five. Yeah, a tap in five. How about that, huh? Amazing. I underestimated I you. I, I, I apologize, Judd. Oh, that's okay. I would have done the exact same thing. <laughs> so in your chair, I would have done the exact. I would have guessed that I had about a nine or ten. Yeah. So Dave, you were the caddy. Why don't yeah. you take us through shot by shot here from your perspective? It actually just. <laughs> I'm actually now upset because I just realized I lost to write that down because I said it would be five <laughs> shots minimum when he's within fifty yards. That's right. So he, he, well, he was four shots from within 50, so I guess I was close. Yeah. Um, right. Your first shot was unbelievable. 
Watching your practice swings, it's clear you've golfed before. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Your swing is far from off. I mean, it wasn't Jordan Spieth's swing, but yeah, it, right. it certainly was. I was very confident you were going to have contact, whether you were going to top the ball or you know shoot it way off to the left or right. I didn't know, right. but I knew you weren't going to swing and miss. <laughs> you piped it. Did that you first say it shot, was right up the gut? Absolutely. Yes, yes it, it was, was literally dead straight up the gut. 120 yards. In fact, water left. OB right, not a problem at all. I'd make the argument that if the caddy had chosen the right club for Judd, it's possible he would have pinned well, high. With I'd make the argument that the caddy made the smart choice of not picking a club that was too long, I'm where not Judd would have got it, you know, hit the divot I before the ball caught it back. Because I, I did ask Dave. It was I a said, seven Tell iron, me exactly by the way. What I should do yes. here. A seven iron, which is the so safe I took club. Coaching. So and I definitely, I said, I said to Dave, you are going to decide on all the, these things, including telling me how hard to swing at things. So, I would not criticize you because I'll take the five in a heartbeat. What were your thoughts before we get into the uh, the other shots that were from within about thirty yards? When you walked up, and by the way, they were putting the pin in. We were so early this morning; they were putting the pin in, and they were they were just finishing manicuring things around the green. Yep. And so there were people in the area watching. There was a bit of a gallery, right? There's like three or four people kind of watching from a distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you had the, the TV cameras rolling, <laughs> the, the 1,500 YouTube TV cameras. I tuned that out. What yeah. were your thoughts as you stood over the ball? What, what, what were your level of nerves, confidence? All right, golf, as long as, and, and I haven't golfed in 20 years, but I used to golf par three courses with my friends from the Star Tribune quite a bit. And the full disclosure about this is the more I golf, the worse I get. So I did think to myself, because my swing, this, is, this goes back to what I told Collar about the three-point shots. I have no form. In golf, I thought that there still might be a form there, and I think there was. Mm -hmm. But if we were to go play that hole five more times, I think by the fifth time off the tee, it would actually get worse. So my thoughts were... So practice makes so, you worse, is yeah, what you're So saying. thoughts were... What's, what does that say for radio after, after six years? I think it's obvious. <laughs> so my, th my thought on, on the tee box was tune it all out. Just tune it all out wow. and just swing. Clear the mechanism. Clear yes. the mechanism and just swing. So, but, the ball. But if I went back there now... Just tap it in. I'd probably be thinking, well, heck, I was good last time. Let's improve it. That's when I get worse. So just you should retire now, Are you basically. saying there should be a round two post show? Yeah. I am retired. <laughs> Well, there, hey, listen, there's an uphill monster par four down here. It looks no, like the 18th. No, I did this. I did this once. Now I will go back into retirement very happily. I will Please say your, your second shot, I was still a little nervous on that one. Yeah. I mean, great first shot, but then we had to worry about touch. A little, we little pitch shot here. Yeah, a little and that's pitch. why I asked you what to do. Yeah, we were on the fairway. It was a clean run right up to the hole. And uh, you did very well on that one, too. A nice little eight iron soft. You just ran it right up there. Yep. Just, just past pin high. Uh, and left yourself a little tricky of a downhill putt. That, that was the problem. Uh, yeah, that it was the only the downhill that, putt. Is that you, was the only you, shot you wanted to have back. You just didn't leave it out wide enough. It uh, it, it, uh, it certainly didn't have the break. But yeah, uh, you ran it down about ten feet past the hole, but left yourself a nice little uphiller. Yeah, mm -hmm. which I actually liked there. Mm -hmm. The downhill putt, though, that's not good for me. There was no chance. I feel like if we had this is the this is the honest to god truth. If we had given you, let's say we said no driving range, but you can go putt five or ten balls just to get a feel for greens, which if you haven't played a green in 20 years, it can be kind of... I think if we would have given you a feel for the greens beforehand, it would have been a bogey. Because I don't think you would have blown it by 10 feet. Maybe. And then you might have made like a four-footer coming back up the hill or something. Maybe. I think it would have been a bogey. The downhill, it was amazing. The downhill, I never, ever expected in a million years a 120-yard straight down the middle tee shot from Judd. It was, it was incredible. The downhill putt <laughs> is tough, though, because I don't... It, the read on that to me is really difficult because, mm -hmm. like Dave, how how do you hook that? Because if I had if I had had done what, what I w wanted to do, but obviously could not, I would have brought it around a little bit. Like even if I don't make it, to leave it right by the hole. Yeah, These you're, are the conversations downhill, Tiger Woods is having right now too about his putting. Downhill going right to left, and I I, I wanted you to leave it out to the right and just kind of trickle down, use gravity, and yep. you you frankly just hit it straight at the hole, which didn't work out. Yeah. It blew right by and wasn't even close. But I actually think it was probably maybe even to your benefit to skip the practice range or to skip the practice green, I should say, yep. only because that might have inspired a little bit of confidence. Yep. And I think this was good. You were timid, plus early in the day, greens were a little wet, a little soft. It was with beautiful the dew. outside, not too hot. We didn't have to worry about you pounding the eyes. Just said, Judge, yep. just tap it, you know. 
go easy. I mean, we're here in two shots. You've got six. I'm going You've to get six opportunities. I'm going to give you the honest key to, to this entire thing today. Five Fultons last night <laughs> after I got home. Pounded five Fultons. Whoa! In fact, I tweeted it. I said, I, I said, you so know this what? So like between when the Twins I'm game and like, you got home at like probably seven? After eight. Oh, she I pounded, pounded, five, I pounded <laughs> five Fultons quick. Now they were now, now they were the sweet child of Vine, so they weren't. I didn't go after the high alcohol. Are you mildly content. hungover or no? No, not at all. Okay. No, because I, I went. This guy gets a hangover? No, I mean, I Thank you wondering. very much. My coach knows me here. My caddy knows me. That was the absolute key. And I tweeted, I'm Namath-like. That's the key. Show up, little fuzzy possibly, you're better. You did. You're, you're, you did give the little finger the finger wag as you went into the tunnel after carding exactly. the five on the par three. Take that, everybody! Just the five finger wag instead of the one. You are I'm tin cup. You're tin cup. I'm your t- I'm your caddy, Cheech Marin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how much credit would you give to the caddy here if you had just walked up there and he said, "Here's the clubs. You got to figure it out from the tee box." How much different oh. would it have been? Like, what club would you have pulled from the bag? The wrong one. I would have pulled. Well, I told you. In fact, I, I told you on the show when, when we first brought this up uh, that I was going to pull a three. And you're like, don't pull a three. That's really hard to hit a three. I think that... For someone who hasn't golfed in 20 I think Okay, I think off the tee, I definitely would not pulled. I would not have taken the seven out. And the second shot where Dave said, Dave said, use the club like a putter, I wouldn't have done that. Full disclosure, best case, I think I would have had about a seven or eight. Okay. You know what that means? Close. I get 10% of your paycheck. Sure. <laughs> I get the cut. Sure, you want, you want a dollar? I'll find a dollar for you. In fact, you know what? Better yet, post-show, I'll buy the, the first round. Oh, I mean, the you spot. have to find me on the course from what I'm told. Oh, but that's right. I was going to say. If you want to buy one now, I'm free. You know the first thing I checked on? I got here, went inside, checked on this. New Glarus on tap here. Of course. It's Hudson. Wisconsin. Oh. That's all I care that's yes. all I cared about, yeah. though. Judd might never cross First back over the border. This I might, might call, just be his new place I might call Don. I've, I've moved to the golf course. <laughs> He's now living on the 10th, actually. <laughs> yeah. just, in, just in the woods. <laughs> Glory days, baby. Yeah, he is. Springsteen-like. <laughs> um, so we're going to post full video of this for sure. Facebook.com slash 1500ESPN and YouTube.com slash 1500ESPN Twin Cities. Uh, it's still loading from my phone. It might be. We might have to wait till after the show until we get better wireless internet. But we will post it sometime today. Check out the previous channels in the mean or the challenges in the meantime. Yeah. Yes, for yeah, sure. Brace yourself for the fact I didn't suck this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's come back. So, some wolves news broke after we were off the air on Friday, and uh, and there's uh, it's not surprising, but there's some tentacles off of it. Mackie and Judd from the NHL Alumni Classic at White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And we're out. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. The decline of moral and ethical integrity. Let's hear it. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Get your tickets now for X Games Minneapolis. The X Games return to U.S. Bank Stadium July 19th through the 22nd, featuring four days of the world's best action sports, music, and festival experience. Don't miss the greatest action sports athletes on the planet competing for medals and prize money, musical performances by Cascade, Brother Ali, Ice Cube, and Zed, and X-Fest and the X-Fest Interactive Village. Tickets start at just $20. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Jimmy attacking, hangs in the air, and finishes. Gorgie sets the high screen to free Jimmy for the three. All right, Mackie and Judd back at White Eagle Golf Club here for the NHL Alumni Classic Golf Outing. It's uh, one of our more fun annual broadcasts that we do here at 1500 ESPN. A lot of nostalgic guests later on in the second half of the show, North Stars that you remember from back in the day, so we'll do that um, throughout the show until 1 o'clock. But Jimmy Butler, I highly recommend going and finding the latest episode of The Scoop with Doogie. It's a podcast you can find on 1500ESPN.com or anywhere you would generally find podcasts, Apple Podcasts. He had Glenn Taylor on for a half hour on Friday afternoon, and a few things out of that, and you can listen to all of this uh, maybe, I don't know, at 1 o'clock. You can listen to it after you're done binging (laughs) our show, whatever. But uh, Glenn Taylor, among other things, talking about Tom Thibodeau and Carl Anthony Towns, he confirmed that Jimmy Butler did turn down the four-year, $100-plus-million-dollar contract extension offered by the Wolves. So two things, Judd. Number one, pretty obvious from Jimmy's perspective why they turned this down because 
just based on salary cap rules and when you can offer certain extensions, he can make a lot more money both per year and on a Wolves multi-year extension next summer if he waits. If he stays healthy, which is a big if, correct, and productive, he can actually make like $70 million more from the Wolves alone on a five-year deal. 190 yep. Yeah. So it's 70 to $80 million more from the Wolves, or he can make more on a four-year deal with another team. It's like $40 million more or something from another team. 141 yes. So it, it, it makes sense. It, it might be odd for some people. You, you hear a guy turn down $100 million over four years, and it sounds like he's crazy, but he's already banked a lot of money, and he's just betting on himself. So I get it from that perspective. Not shocking. I, I do, too, and this definitely does not mean – because the, the initial reaction I saw was, well, Butler, bleep him, and this means nothing. This means nothing as far as he was going – There was the only – news that that we were awaiting on this was when was he going to decline it right it this was never a oh my god he took it uh he's going to be 29 next year he's going to turn 30 in september of 2019 here's the talking point though and, and we've broached this on this show but this is the most important thing it's not as butler going to take it it's should the wolves do it so when you get to next year when you get to next year and you have a guy about to turn 30 who works, to his credit, works his ass off. But he, he, to me, is the Zach Parisi of the Wolves. So he works his butt off, but it takes a toll. And he rarely plays full, full years. And him missing 20 games a season is not surprising. Yeah. So the real question here is, is in my mind, not is Butler going to turn around next July and take the five-year deal. It's should the Wolves commit to that deal, knowing that there's a fighting chance, Phil, that let's say you get three years, he misses 15 to 20 games per year, but years four and five of that contract that are guaranteed and count against your cap might be lost years. And, and, and you know, I don't think just because you turn 30 in the NBA, it means, oh, man, the cliff is coming. But for him, it seems like the cliff is more likely coming earlier just based on Bulls and Tom Thibodeau player history, workload, ramifications, if it's LeBron James and the guy plays as many games as he wants to yeah. and has played more games and more minutes than anyone almost in history, right? Totally different. And you come for playoffs, and he's played 82 games when he was 32 years old this year. Okay, I'm okay on a four-year deal for that guy. He's a machine. Chris Paul, he's had some injury issues, but um, you know, Chris Paul has made it into his mid-30s, and you feel, okay, like he's 32, 33 years old, and... You feel like there's there's some tread on the tires there. Jimmy Butler, I, I'm a little bit with you that I, w- I, I wouldn't just automatically snap sign a five-year deal for the max money for a guy that pretty rarely, if ever, plays more than about 65 or 70 games. So agree with you on that. Here's another thing to look at and why the news on Friday was important. Not surprising. We knew it was going to happen. But it's just it's another step in this process of figuring out the future of the Timberwolves and Jimmy Butler. He's got one year left on his deal, and, and, the, and the news on Friday made that official. Okay, if there was any question of, well, is he going to sign an extension, that, that's now an official no. So if they don't trade Jimmy Butler before February's deadline, they're gambling on either, A, him re-signing next offseason, mm-hmm. when there's a bunch of free agents, there's guys like Kyrie Irving hitting the market, there's teams like the Knicks, big markets, right? There's a lot of, a, a, there's a lot of appealing places, the competition for his services is going to increase to five or ten teams and yep. potential super teams, right? So if they don't trade him by, Feb- by the February trade deadline, they risk losing a top 20 NBA player for nothing. And, and from a Jimmy Butler perspective, not only could he come back and re-sign with the Wolves, the Lakers are going to have a max opening for a contract. Kyrie Irving or, or, or Kawhi Leonard is number one on their list, but like maybe Jimmy Butler is number two on that list. He could go to the Lakers and play with LeBron James. out there, yes. Uh, He could join Kyrie Irving to play anywhere. There's rumors about that already floating around. They could go play in Brooklyn or something. He could join an intriguing team with cap space like San Antonio. That would be appealing, right? Oh, this team is a 45-win team that just needs a veteran presence for four years. There's a market, like I said, New York is going to have cap space, and they've got Porzingis. So all of a sudden now, the chances of you re-signing him long-term going into next summer aren't very good. It's not like, oh, there's an 80% chance he resigns. Or Carl Anthony Towns, you offer him a max contract, there's a 100% chance he signs it. So if I know that the chances of him coming back after this season are 30%, maybe worse, 25%, yep. I'm probably shopping him now and for sure before the February deadline. Go into the season, see if your team is good, see how, see how things are gelling, but they shouldn't be afraid to pull the trigger on a trade 
sometime in the first half of the season if things aren't looking like they're progressing in the way that you had hoped. They shouldn't be, but you know as well as I do that Tibbs will never do that. Tibbs is going to go if Tibbs is going to be convince himself that as long as he is coach here, Butler is going to stay. So do you and think this, you almost have to fire well, Tom Thibodeau well, in order to make the right personnel move? Here, here's the scary proposition about this entire thing. This whole thing with Butler, with Tibbs, really the future of where this franchise is going to go rests on one person, Glenn Taylor. Glenn Taylor right now needs to have an inkling of what he's going to do. Because if you just say, well, we'll just see how things play out, and Butler walks, that's incredibly stupid. And if you had a GM who, who had authority who could go to Tibbs and say, you know what, I got you, Butler, but now I'm not sure he's going to stay. Uh, he and Kyrie are talking about trying to form a, a, a tandem, a pair somewhere. So really what this now comes down to is Glenn Taylor's decision on the future of Tibbs, which is going to be the future of Butler, because Tibbs alone is never – I cannot see a scenario – under which this guy who made this trade with the Bulls, and we know for a fact absolutely loves this guy like a son, turns around and deals him. And I don't know that Butler is going to go to Tibbs and say, Tom, I'm gone. I think Butler is going to continue to sort of string things out. So this all all reverts back to a conversation that we've had a bunch on the show, and it's the scariest proposition when, when it comes to the Wolves, is you have to rely on Glenn Taylor to make the right call here. Do I have the confidence he's going to do it? Absolutely not. Okay, so let, let's come back here. If... If you're going to ride this out and go into next summer with Jimmy Butler, who becomes an unrestricted free agent with all these other teams looking to add pieces, LeBron and the Lakers with a max cap spot available, Porzingis and the Knicks, even though it's a dumpster fire franchise, they've got money, they've got a star, it's a big market, and those things do matter. Uh, you know what, what scenarios are in play here? I also have a couple examples, too, of when, when a superstar player, it's not ideal to trade a superstar player in the NBA because it's so hard to get them, but if... If a year beforehand, a superstar player tells you either verbatim or with his indecision. Paul George. Paul George, Carmelo Anthony with the Nuggets uh, six or seven years ago. When they tell you, I'm leaving in a year, what can you get for those type of players? I've done some research on that, too. Mackie and Judd, we're hanging out here. Uh, it's a, there's basically no clouds in the sky for the NHL Alumni Golf Classic today at White Eagle Golf Club, one of our favorite broadcasts of the year. We'll come back. Also, Lindsey Whalen joins the show at 11 o'clock. Mackie and Judd. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. No, no, I got no. You. now. I need it now. Yes. I can't wait. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Mail from Jim to Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com. This is to Judd, actually. Uh, Fulton's Sweet Child of Vine is 6.4% alcohol volume, and Judd says it's not a strong beer. I'd love to see his beer list. It was good. That's pretty strong, dude. 6.4? I don't know. If, if not that's weak. not strong. I'm a veteran, boys. Then... I'm a major leaguer, okay? <laughs> I'm a big leaguer. Playing the big leagues, you got to be able to hit the breaking stuff, too. You, you get home at 8 o'clock last night. And pound five sweet child of mine. <laughs> Did you just hit the pillow or what? Well, no, it was, uh, there, there's a lighter Fulton as well that's uh, not as high in alcohol volume that I had. Because I got all these variety packs okay. from my buddy. So I had, I want to say, two sweet child of vines and then three. Now, there's another one that they have that's seven. I didn't go near that one. Okay. That's too high. That's too high for a Sunday night. Saturday or Friday night, it's perfect. What are you doing when you drink these beers on a Sunday night? You got the TV on? You got no, the laptop open? Laptop are you just sitting open. on a chair staring? La- <laughs> laptop Mouth with- agape? Yes. La- okay, so... so <laughs> Dawn's trying to have a conversation. No, she wasn't, trying to talk. she wasn't trying to talk to me last night. Um, Not after that long Twins game. So, uh, I mean, there was a lot She knows. Twins game. She knows better to deal with me after a long ball game. <laughs> Well, and look at how long that game was, once again, on my score sheet. That's Four right, 438. Especially yeah. the hypocritical dozier and these unwritten rules. <laughs> Honey, don't, I, I can't even talk tonight. I can't talk I, I about this. I just can't this. do this. So I, was, uh, I got home. I, I had written my story about the uh, bench-clearing incidents at the ballpark. Yep. But then I got bored of being there, so I left, went, went home. So the first two beers, I went back through the story and made some changes. Editing. Editing the oh, story okay. with, with the first two beers, which is fine. And then I was done, posted the story, and moved on to beer three and four and then five. Did you change the headline once you're a couple beers in? I did not, but I did change it. 
Because I, I thought to caps, myself, a couple misspellings. Zolgad, Zolgad, Zolgad I'm having a great night. Zolgad colon unwritten rules make Dozier a fraud. No, I did not. I did not. I uh, I did change it once because all work no play make Dozier a dull boy. <laughs> I felt to myself that my first headline was sort of boring, so I changed it to so I changed it to one that basically didn't tell you, but said a Twins pitcher caused all of this, which was Presley. So why don't you read the story and find out? Sure. Have you guys so seen a little bit? Have you guys seen the uh, the best new most predictable beer commercials that have hit in the last couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. ESPN's been running them. The, these Michelob, it's Michelob Ultra, right? The the CrossFit. We're gonna yeah. climb oh, yeah. up a mountain oh, and like a yeah, You know who's shape. one of their main endorsers now is Brooks Kepka. Really? Is there is there a a less surprising athlete product connection than that, Brooks Kepka? That sounds about right. Uh, uh, Brooks, what size what size golf shirt do you want there, Brooks? Uh, children's large. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cut the sleeves. I love the fact that a beer company has tried to glum on to let's be let's let's sell ourselves as the athletes beer for yeah. sure. Because you know, if I want to get plowed, I want to be in great shape. <laughs> so I'm going to go run around and have ten of these suckers and feel real good about myself. <laughs> That's right. We're going to do a tough mutter challenge and then crack open 19 Michelob Ultra. Me and my friends who all weigh who all weigh 175 before guys or 112. If we're gals, let's do that. Oh, my God. Um, I have for you here. I, uh, all right. Jimmy Butler is basically telling you without telling you, hey, thanks for the contract extension. I'm going to go into next summer. And by that, he's saying with all these reports and leaks from his camp, I don't really like Towns. I don't really like Wiggins. Tibbs is my guy, but come on. We'll like, see what happens. I'm a big market guy. Very much so. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not guaranteeing anything. Kyrie no keeps point. calling me. LeBron's called me a couple times. For sure. And there's all these, the, all these leaks, too, about how it's not Jimmy's job to recruit, right. right? Glenn wants him to recruit. Well, every top player should LeBron recruits. Uh, Steph Curry and company recruited Durant. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul recruits. James Harden recruits. So you, you should be willing to recruit. That, that kind of bothers me. But he's kind of telling you, pretty good, pretty good chance I don't come back to the Wolves. In fact, you know, without saying it, there's like a 100% chance I don't come back to the Wolves. If that's the case, and you have to trade him, and it's not ideal because you shouldn't be trying to trade superstar players, here's what the Pacers got for Paul George. And, and this is where a guy tells you a year in advance, dude does you a favor, I don't want to be here anymore, and you have a year to trade me, which is where the Wolves are at with Jimmy Butler, unless they want to gamble and go into next offseason. They landed, the Pacers landed Victor Oladipo and the Sabonis kid. And Victor Oladipo blew up into one of the best players in the NBA this year. That's a very good trade, yes. If you go back to the Carmelo Nuggets fallout, where he went out a year beforehand and said, I want to go play for the Knicks or somebody. I, I just don't want to be here anymore. It's been, uh, it's been a good run, eight years. But you got a year to trade me. They traded, it was like a, th- a three-way deal with all kinds of different moving pieces involved. But they traded Carmelo to the Knicks, and among other things, they got Danilo Gallinari, who's been a really good player for the last, what, seven years. And uh, aside from a couple peripheral pieces, first-round picks that became Jamal Murray and Dario Saric, who they later dealt for Andre Iguodala. Mm-hmm. So, again, would you, would you rather have Paul George? I don't know. Victor Oladipo blew up. Sometimes you'd rather have the star player. I mean, the Wolves would rather have had Kevin Garnett than... But that's the problem you know, here. Al Jefferson is is in in the cases that you're talking about. You had the player tell you, "I'm going to leave," right? Which gives you time. And now it's on you. And now, and but the problem here is Butler and Tibbs are so close that you, you would think that Butler would tell them. But I think the fact that they're that close and that Tibbs Tibbs sees Butler as such an important part of this. Yeah, I don't know that the relationship is such where where there would be that. That ability for Butler just to tell Tom, very businesslike, I'm gone. I think Tibbs would think to himself, I can talk him out of it, right? So th- this is the problem here. You don't have w- – what you need is a third party to sort of get between these two and say, what's the deal? That should be Glenn, you'd think. but That person in this case right now does not exist. Yeah. Well, and this, all of these Jimmy Butler hypothetical trade scenarios are sort of like if we were the GM, because we know that the current GM slash – president of basketball operations is never going to pull the trigger on this. Um, but I think my first inclination would be, because a Kawhi Leonard deal hasn't gone down yet, I would call the Lakers and I would say, all right, if you want Jimmy Butler, Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma are the two guys we really want. We'll take one of them and a first-round draft pick. And then you'd have to make salaries work, So because right. you'd have to... 
there have to be another piece or two involved. You might have to trade them. Like I don't know. You might have to trade. They might have to give you back somebody with a bloated salary. You might have to take on the the Wall Deng contract, really, which would be terrible. Tim would be delighted. But you could, you know, if 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 you got Brandon Ingram and a first round pick, or Kuzma and a first round pick, yep. I would do it right now if I thought there was only a fifteen percent chance of Butler resigning. If the Lakers say no, I would probably go into the season, see what your team looks like, October, November, December, and then if it looks like you're fighting for a playoff spot, you're not going to do any real damage. The chemistry. Wiggins hasn't gotten better. The chemistry between Butler and the team is not great. Yep. Um, I would then start to shop him before February because the last thing you want is for him to walk and you get nothing and you don't have that much cap space, if any. Another very important factor to this entire discussion, though, is this one. Tibbs wants to w- win now. Tibbs might have an inkling that, that if things go south this coming season that he, he'll be fired. Tibbs does. I don't think he looks at this franchise and says, what's the plan? I think he says, what can we do best right now? How can we win as many games as possible? And, and he sees Butler as a means to doing that. Yeah, he also so thinks if he gets in talking, as an eight seed, he's going to beat Golden State. So you're yeah. talk, but, you, but, but what you're saying is, is look at the long term. And if you think Butler is going to leave, maximize what you can in return for him. I think Tibbs says to himself, I need Butler to try and win to save my job potentially, so I would never trade him. Yeah. That's uh, the problem. There's more meat on this bone. We can get to it later on. Lindsay Whalen will join the show in about an hour. We'll talk uh, links, woes, and other things with her. And we are live until 1 o'clock here at the annual NHL Alumni Golf Classic at White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson. Let's talk about TCL TVs for a moment here. The best TV that you're going to find if you're a sports viewer, it's America's fastest-growing TV brand. TCL TVs offer 4K picture quality. They offer a built-in Roku device, which comes with thousands of streaming channels. We're talking 4,000-plus streaming channels and 450,000-plus movies, TV show episodes. In fact, since we're sitting here at the NHL Alumni Classic, we oftentimes in the studio will fire up that NHL, uh, the, the, the NHL app, the content streaming platform, through the Roku device in studio. And we'll just geek out watching old-school hockey games from the 60s, the 70s, watching Wayne Gretzky from the 80s. Uh, there's so much content available, sports, non-sports, you know, the standards like Netflix and Hulu and YouTube, and also WWE Network. I was watching last night, big old uh, pay-per-view action last night. You can stop into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities or go to TCLUSA.com to find out more. 